Check out Unpacking Israeli History podcast. From the history of infamous terror groups, Hamas and Hezbollah, to the story of Nakba, to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli History cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week. So, educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, and welcome to Cool People Who Did Cool Stuff. I'm your host, Margaret Kiljoy, and this week I'm talking with Shireen. Shireen, how are you doing? Good. Actually, I know I, the first time you told me, I just said I was like basically doing bad. But after the recording, the first part, I don't know if the people know that you record them back to back, but I feel much better than I did <laughs> earlier. So I feel good after hearing about all these cool fucking people. Yeah, cool. And and our producer Sophie is on the line as well. Sophie, how are you? I'm great. Drinking a cream soda Zevia, living my best <laughs> life, you know. <laughs> So speaking of aftertastes and Nazis, and there's a, <laughs> I actually don't know how to do this segue, um, but you are listening to part two of our two-part series on gay resistance to fascism. And so you're probably a little bit confused if you haven't heard the episode that came out Monday. So you should go back and listen to it if you haven't. Yeah, you really should. It's a really good episode. And yeah. you will learn about a lot of really cool people. And this is coming from a very big cynic. So <laughs> go listen to that episode. <laughs> This is good. It's like try to impress the cynic is like an interesting. It's not even about impressing. It's like, will I still be miserable by the end of this? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, yeah, you know what I mean? Okay. Well, this one is going to be. Oh, I don't want to spoil it. Okay. So okay, where we last left off, there was like a, a motley crew of queers, artists and medical students in Amsterdam who just pulled off a like heist movie level antics to blow up a Nazi record storehouse. And today we're going to bring things back to Germany. So Germany. There's a country called Germany. Weimar Germany is the period from 1919 after Germany got its fucking ass handed to it in the First World War to 1933 when Hitler came to power and did the whole Hitler thing that I presume most people are familiar with on some level. And Weimar Germany had a lot going for it, right? Uh, It was a republic for one thing, which is a step up from dictatorships and such. People could like vote and shit. And there was free speech. There was free assembly. There was no state religion. Some of the gay laws weren't being enforced, although they were still there. And the government was based out of a city called Weimar, which is how they got the name Weimar Germany. Uh, But Germany was completely fucked economically. Uh, World War I left their economy in shambles. Hyperinflation took over. Everyone was hungry and, you know, fucked. And then they had the fucking worldwide depression after all of that on top of it. I mean, I think that's the reason why the Nazis worked. You know what I mean? They had to, like, kind of get the desperate you know what I mean? Like they had to really yeah. and like then Hitler quotes like, oh, he can save us kind of thing. I think they had to have the the previous shitty part in order to even do the totally. other shitty part, if that makes sense. Totally. Because people are so fucked. They're like, I'll try anything. Yeah, once. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then so so most of the stuff I'd been exposed to about Weimar Germany, which focused on really cool stuff, because Weimar Germany was this very uh, interesting artistic time period. Uh, And mostly I'd heard about the cabaret scene, all the sort of decadent queer artists who try to live fancy free lives while they're basically starving. And all of that is like true and interesting and beautiful, but it's only one part of Germany's culture at the time and actually only one part of its, its queerness and its queer culture. You've also got this really messy assortment of different organizations that have different names, but get called like the Vondervogel or the German Youth Movement or the Hiking Clubs. 
And these go back decades. They go back to the 1890s. And there's this movement that it kind of looks like Boy Scouts. If Boy Scouts was like a fuck off huge thing that involved millions of boys and girls, both through various levels of formal and informal organization with weird paganism, vegetarianism, nudism and queerness running out through the entire thing. So not actually very much like Boy Scouts. (laughs) I would like to be that kind of Boy Scout. Oh, okay. Well, then you're going to love our characters today. Um, (laughs) So... Millions of German kids formed these hiking clubs and uh, spent their days like camping and getting in touch with nature. Mm-hmm. It was an anti-modernist movement, a lot of a lot of parts of it. And whenever people are like, oh, it was this, it's like it's all kinds of different things all happening at the same time. Um, but it was kind of a lot of it was about leaving civilization behind. A lot of it was German nationalist, although um, it didn't have a necessarily an anti-Semitic character as far as I can tell, um, at least on any systemic level. Uh, Some of it was really middle class and some of it was really working class. And a lot of it was just fucking outright criminal in kind of the best and worst ways. Mm. Um, There's a a French gay anarchist named uh, Daniel Guerin who wrote about the movement in the 1930s uh, because he would go visit 1930s Germany because it was a fucking awesome place to be a gay anarchist. And but he found it. He found this movement increasingly politically polarized between the communists and the fascists and As the whole worldwide depression is hitting, more and more youth are finding themselves homeless. They choose itinerant lifestyles over staying still in one place. So the movement keeps growing uh, and it keeps polarizing and and doing all kinds of weird shit. In 1933, huge chunks of this come to an abrupt end when Hitler bans all alternative youth organizations that aren't the Hitler youth. A lot of the more mainstreams of these groups just basically become the Hitler youth. And in 1939, he makes participation in the Hitler youth compulsory. and but the youth movement went a lot of different directions. Not all of it went into the Hitler Youth, as we'll get into. But some of it did, and so we're going to talk about gay Nazis now. These are not the cool people who did cool stuff. Mm. Well, um, gotta balance it out, I suppose. But also, yeah. I'm fascinated mm-hmm. where this will go. My own experience with Boy Scouts. Um, I, I was a Boy Scout, and uh, my best friend, who was a Boy Scout, came out as trans like years before I did. Um, and so I love that. You know, me and my best friend, because people are like, oh, they're they're letting girls into Boy Scouts now. And then, like <laughs> me and a lot of other trans women are like, oh, no, they always did. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's a good show. That's a good show. But um, so gay Nazis. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Yeah. So before Hitler took over completely and the National Socialists were just like one of the parties in Germany, they were actually the only political party in Weimar Germany with a known high ranking gay member. Ernst Röhm was the leader of Hitler's SA, which are usually called the brown shirts, which are basically the party's like street thugs who operate outside the law. Like, you know, when Trump told his brown shirts, uh, Proud Boys, to stand by and stand back, a uh, mm-hmm. similar sort of organization. And and Ernst Röhm was really into this hyper-masculinity thing. Uh, he's so anti, you know, if you're so anti-feminine that you don't fuck women, right? Yeah. Um, and he's really into authority and discipline and obedience those are good manly things unlike mm-hmm. democracy socialism anarchism fucking girls all that weird yeah, sissy so soft stuff. Yeah. yeah and this is not to say that the the nazis were pro-gay they were just kind of pro-hypocrisy i think mm-hmm. um even before they came to the power they were the most adamantly anti-gay party in politics but even the social democrats who were the ones who weren't enforcing paragraph 175 and were part of trying to fight to get paragraph 175 repealed when um, they used they they used homophobic language to try and talk shit on the Nazis, basically they were like, "Oh, Rom's gay," and so and they like published his private letters in order to basically be like, "If you support the Nazis, you support uh, pedophilia and gayness, and the Whoa. Nazis will corrupt our children." And so no one's fucking good at this point. No no political yeah. party is looking good. The Nazis are clearly looking the worst, but it's just kind of interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And this causes a split in the gay rights scene, right? Uh, some groups like the Scientific Humanitarian Committee, which is as Magnus Hirschfeld, the, the, the guy I was talking about a lot uh, last episode, he warns the gay Nazis. He's like, you know the fucking Nazis are going to come after you too, right? But then the other big organization at the time, this is really not something to be proud of, uh, they're like, what? Nah, they're not coming after all the gay people, just those Jewish gay people. <laughs> um, Fuckers. Yeah, uh, but but spoiler alert, uh, the Nazis are coming after all the gays. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So 
on June 30th, 1934, on what gets called the Night of Long Knives, Hitler has Rom and a whole bunch of the other brown shirt leaders just murdered. And in public, Hitler was like, oh, I definitely did this because Rom was going to betray me. But it was really transparently Hitler was tired of being made fun of for putting up with gay people in the ranks. Mm. Um, his pal Mussolini liked to make fun of him. And they were like, aha, you harboring gays, you know, whatever. You know, um, his pal Mussolini. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's like the very first no homo with consequences or something. I don't know. Yeah, totally. And then what's kind of interesting is that Hitler probably didn't personally have a problem with uh, Rome's homosexuality. He just, he was a fucking people pleaser and he wanted people to like him, um, which is definitely never happened again. There's never been a populist right wing leader anytime in history, certainly not in the past 10 years in the United States, who has... <laughs> Clearly not had any problem personally with gay people. Mm -hmm. And then no. Yeah. Yeah. But greatest country in the world. Woo! (laughs) We're the ones who beat these Nazis. Okay, so (laughs) we're the heroes of this story. Yeah. And then fire the conductor for being gay. Mm -hmm. Um, So in in private, Hitler would either defend or attack Rome's homosexuality, depending on the audience. Right. Like sometimes he was like, oh, that was in his misspent youth and he's learned better now. And other times he's like, ah, oh, us worldly men, we understand that such thing has happened and are fine. That's my Hitler accent. Um, I don't do accents. No, you shouldn't. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 have, <laughs> I also don't do accents, but I think I, when I've tried, I've learned my lesson. So, yeah, yeah. I'm reasonably certain that uh, if someone put a gun to my head and said that I had to speak like a British person for two minutes and, or I would die. I would die um, <laughs> because I, I genuinely believe that with a gun to my head, I would not be able to talk with a British accent. No, 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 no. I did a live reading of Twilight once with Bechdel cast, uh-huh. another amazing podcast. Yeah. And I had to voice one of the characters who was French and uh-huh. for and like in the thing, he has an accent. And so I, I tried before we recorded, I was like, uh-huh. can I do this? And I tried to have a French accent and I sounded like, jamaican every <laughs> uh-huh. time it was so i was uh, that was like cemented like shireen accents are not for you this yeah. is not so yeah but no I, accents are hard so yeah. i understand and i don't want to do that to the audience no. No. Uh, okay so another one of the people that uh another, another one of the gay brown shirts that hitler has killed was a, a guy named edmund heinz who was actually hitler's cellmate after the failed coup of 1923 the beer hall putsch um And he was one of the fucking original Nazis. Like, literally, he was number 78 in the enlisting in the National Socialists. And he was gay as hell. Um, And when they came for him during the Night of Long Knives, he was in bed with a lover. Wow. By 1941, Hitler starts suggesting the death penalty for gay kids in the Hitler Youth. Uh, And then they pass the death penalty for gay SS members. But what they do instead, I mean, a lot of them they kill, right? Some of those uh, sentences get commuted to go be cannon fodder in the war against Russia. Which I think they actually did to a lot of, um, yeah, a lot of people end up dying that way, get taken out of prison and sent to go die uh, on oh. the Eastern Front. Um, or they're sent to serve in this like all criminal uh, Derlewanger brigade of the SS, which is basically a brigade within the SS that's like all of the worst people and the criminals. And by, I put worst people in quotes, but like, you know, where they like go give criminals a chance to go die. I bring all this stuff up. Okay, do you know that meme, the I never thought leopards would eat my face, said the person who voted for the leopards eating people's faces party? No, I don't know. Okay. This is what the you idea. just said. Okay, okay, okay. 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 Should I look uh, it up? No, no, no. I mean, no. it's just basically this. It's like someone's like, but I never thought the leopards would eat my face, right, said the person yeah. who voted for the leopards eating people's faces yes. party. And that's how I feel about the gay Nazis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, the, the reasons to bring this up in this like otherwise conversation about good gay people is that I feel like, okay, when we talk about the bad people in history who are gay, we're usually playing into this trope that like all of them were closeted. Right. Mm-hmm. But these, these gays, Nazis weren't, they were not closeted. They were open about their interests. It was part of their like storied tradition of right-wing homosexuality that ran concurrently with left-wing and apolitical homosexuality. And is it just like internalized homophobia or like hatred? Like that. I try to wrap my head around stuff like that, like what they tell themselves to legitimize their existence or like what they're doing. So it's like, uh, I don't know. They're just fucking racists, you know? And they're like, I like the racist party. And then they're like, but the racist party hates you for being gay. And you're like, well, I don't care. I'm so racist that that's, you know, it's like we see that a lot. first. Yeah. Yeah. And like the modern far right in the United States, there are like, you know, gay members of it. And you're just like, 
what are you fucking doing? They hate you and will laugh at you and kill you at the first opportunity. And you're like, no, Mm -hmm. they like me, you know? You know, I just thought of, Mm -hmm. it's probably power that changes it. You know what I mean? Like, if you feel like you're a little bit, not untouchable, but like protected, you feel more uh, able to be a hypocrite, I feel like, right? Yeah, no, that that actually makes sense. And honestly, like almost everything comes down to power at the end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> womp womp. Okay. Yay. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> and so the other reason to bring all this up is that um, I think that we we forget that a lot of this shit has like really high stakes, the way that we talk about sex and sexuality and gender. And I would argue that we should be on the lookout for when some segment of, oh, I don't know, feminism or gay politics starts making common cause with the right wing. Mm-hmm. which obviously would never happen now. No feminists mm-hmm. would just start making common cause with the right wing at all. No, no, um, no, no uh, white feminism here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, God. I just thought uh, of, I was, I wanted to make like a really subtle Harry Potter reference, but I couldn't think <laughs> of one fast enough. And so I just went with that, the most obvious thing. But you should know, listener, that I was trying to uh, talk about J.K. Rowling. Anyway. Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, what i was thinking of too yeah okay great um okay so so you've got the gay nazis they don't last very long fuck them whatever um yeah. but now i want to talk about gay pirates hell yeah let's do this yeah i want to talk about the edelweiss pirates who are so much fucking cooler on, and they're on the opposite side of all this okay so all the youth uh from the the what i was saying when they're all itinerant doing all this crazy shit they're running around in these, like, it gets a million names, bunds or bands or clubs or cliques or whatever. And they're coming out of the, the Von der Vogel and all these related movements. And the, the whitewashed version of history that I had run across primarily before doing this research, honestly, um, has them, like, wandering around the pristine German countryside, like, singing camp songs and thinking about, like, marrying their heterosexual sweethearts monogamously and popping out pure Aryan babies and all that shit, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, this could not be further from the truth. Uh, this this growing culture of vagabondism and has this and desire for change because they're all fucking broken, hungry, and mainstream society has completely failed them. And more and more of them are living in camps. And again, totally unfamiliar to people today, is you know whatever. Um, a lot of the clubs were just gangs. They were the wild gangs, and they were in a war against civilization and everything boring. Every winter, they would like disband, and every Easter, they would celebrate their clique or their gang's rebirth. Their, their camp songs were parodies of the Hitler Youth songs. They told dirty jokes. They got into fistfights with the Hitler Youth. Um, Hell yeah. Basically, with all the men off to war, the, the Hitler Youth were acting like the police in a lot of German cities. Mm-hmm. And so they, and they, they lived criminal lives, and they fucked. And oh my God, did they fuck. And it was <laughs> anything but straight. Anything but monogamous. Like it's it's like queer enough to like maybe even get me a little bit like, oh my, maybe that's not the right way to go about these things, you know? Um, so these are not the assimilationist gays. These are okay. street fighting, forest fucking, sex working, Nazi robbing, criminal queers. Yeah, it's like the anarchy of gay. Yeah. And and they're called the they have a lot of different names, and uh, but the one I'm gonna use now is the the wild fry, which means the the wild free, mm-hmm. which was one of their mottos and they would have like things emblazoned well i'll get to that um and they they live up to the name history mostly remembers like a subsect of them called the edelweiss pirates Mm -hmm. and and i've got edelweiss yeah it's a flower oh interesting okay (laughs) i think i know right um yeah so so I've got information kind of about two generations of the wild fry and one chunk comes from about 1930 and one chunk comes from the early 40s. And so I'm kind of doing my best to give an honest like the way that these two connect, but there isn't a lot of information about that because mm-hmm. all of the shit is so hetero washed. Mm-hmm. Um but so it's an important I'm I'm going to do an imperfect job, but I'm going to do the best I can and quote original sources and all that shit. And because people when they mention the Edelweiss pirates, they present this sort of like generic working class youth subculture who ruled and were brave as fuck and they like fought Nazis. There's a movie about them uh, called, I think it's called Edelweiss Pirates. Um, But But the gayness gets taken out. Yeah, totally. Mm. And it doesn't talk about their origins and it definitely doesn't talk about gay fucking. And Mm -hmm. uh, so, so Daniel Guerin, who's the, the French anarchist who wants to go hang out with gay folks in Germany. So does, he describes a run in with them in his book called the Brown Plague, which is a, doesn't translate well now, but means the 
It's cr- critical of the rising tide of fascism. Mm. Okay. One Sunday, on the outskirts of Berlin, we met by chance a strange troop on the road. Needless to say, neither their short pants, their bare calves, which disappeared under their long wool vests, the bulky and sundry loads swaying on their backs, nor their enormous hiking boots distinguished them from ordinary vagabonds. But they were very much toughs. They had the depraved and troubled faces of hoodlums and the most bizarre coverings on their heads. Black or gray, chaplain-esque bowlers, old women's hats with the brims turned up in Amazon fashion adorned with ostrich plumes and medals, proletarian navigator caps decorated with enormous edelweiss above the visor, handkerchiefs or scarves in streaming colors tied any which way around the neck, bare chests bursting out of open skin vests with broad stripes, (laughs) arms scored with fantastic or lewd tattoos, ears hung with pendants or enormous rings, leather shorts surmounted by immense triangular belts, also of leather. (laughs) Both daubed with all the colors of the rainbow, esoteric numbers, human profiles, and inscriptions such as wild fry, or Rudber bandits. Around their wrists, they wore enormous leather bracelets. In short, they were a bizarre mixture of virility and feminacy. Wow. That's a sentence. That is, a, that is amazing. I know. And, uh, and you too can buy all of their costumes from our sponsor, <laughs> The Pirate Store, um, which is a nonprofit, again, because we're going full, pure wholesome with the ads here. Yeah, It's a nonprofit work. store. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, when you said emblazoned, the first thing I was like, they have merch, you know, like, you know, this is that's yeah. one way to spread the word. Yeah, totally. Um, and we, too, I actually don't think we have merch at the time of this recording, but we, we do have advertisers and some of them are hopefully the pirate store. Yes, we're manifesting. manifesting. Yeah. yeah, here's some ads. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save 40% site-wide. Get 40% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. You're listening to this podcast, so I know you care about history and what a period we're living through right now, specifically when it comes to the situation in Israel and Gaza. Right now, you're hearing a lot of loud voices screaming about genocide, massacre, and occupation. But these words, slogans, and various headlines are not enough to help you understand what is happening over there. And that's where this podcast comes in. Check out Unpacking Israeli History. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week, where they cover many of the topics that are relevant to what's going on in Israel today. From the history of infamous terror groups like Hamas and Hezbollah, to the story of Nakba, to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli history cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. So educate yourself. 
Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli History wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. So the the wild fryer, they're, they're, they're self-organized, right? They don't have this like overarching structure, but they do sometimes form into these larger coalitions, sometimes not. There's thousands of these bands and they all have fucking weird, fantastic names. Some of them are Black Love, Red Oath, Fear Not Death, Bloody Bones, Dirty Guys, Forest and Field Sleepers, Tortoises, Brandy Thrush, <laughs> Black Flag, Forest Pirates, or the Northern Lights. Wow, I love that. It's like the uh, Legends of the Hidden Temple, like the, the team names. Uh, that's what it reminds me of. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, yeah. I, I'll get to why it sounds like fantasy in a second. That's one of the things I love about it. Um, okay, they also, they all had their own distinct styles of dress, which, mm. um, and they basically, the basic idea was take some idea from fantasy literature and just fucking run with it. Just basically like try to live like you're in a fantasy novel. Wow. Um, They're like, what's it, what's it called? Uh, what's the thing when you're role playing? It's like LARPing. Something. LARPing. Yeah. LARPing. It's like LARPing. It's like LARPing. But, yeah, but, yeah. But for real. But very creative. And, yeah. yeah. And so they, and unlike a lot of the rest of the Van der Vogel movement, which was fairly middle class, almost all of these are working class kids. And basically they're like, well, a fantasy life, that sounds better than starving, right? Mm -hmm. And so some of them would dress up as like American frontiersmen. Others would dress up like pirates. Some were in stereotypical German garb and like lederhosen and shit. Others were like crusader knights. Um, Some were caricatures of indigenous Americans. All of them wore Edelweiss flowers, the single symbol that like united all of them and, and gave them the eventual name, the Edelweiss pirates. And they were into tattoos, uh, including on their genitals. Uh, girls and oh. boys both wore earrings. And when the various gang, this is one of my favorite details I ran, Chris. When the various gangs would meet up together, though, instead of all wearing their like different uh, colors from their different cliques, they all wore like top hats and tailcoats and like the finest, like fancy clothes that I'm sure they stole. <laughs> Wait, and, I want to look up what mm-hmm. an Edowise flower looks like because okay. I, I want I want to visualize their merch <laughs> oh wow oh that's a really it's like a starfish oh yeah huh yeah Aww. they're like for anyone's listening they're they're pretty white flowers with like yellow uh i don't know anything about biology botany i've, I've definitely never seen one before it's yeah. very unique looking but okay cool yeah i have a visual awesome okay um the most influential fantasy author for them which is it's kind of funny is this guy named Carl May, who is this 19th century adventure novel author who was. <laughs> yep. Uh-huh, so he knows where I'm going with this. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. This is Hitler's favorite author. Favorite um, author. Con man what? Carl May. Yep. Um, yep. Did not know that. There's a whole Behind the Bastards episode about about Hitler and about how he loves uh, Carl May. So <laughs> Wow. Um, Our old friend. I wonder Carl. how Carl felt. Yeah. Oh, man. This is like, I mean, you know. Robert describes Carl May as the J.K. Rowling of, uh, of their day. <laughs> oh, interesting. That's all I, I need to know. That's all I need to know. But I want to know because I, I think of like, I'm in a metal band that takes a lot of inspiration from Tolkien, and so are a mm. lot of Nazi metal bands, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think of it like that, you know, but I haven't read any Carl May. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> Anyway, Carl May. <laughs> um, <laughs> so these Carl May LARPers who like rob people and do sex work. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a few years ago, a modern queer sex worker focused radical publishing project called Underbelly translated some of their songs from German. And so I, I'm not going to sing it, unfortunately. I'm sorry, everyone. Um, oh, darn. But my, my favorite is just making fun of the Hitler youth for being too masculine and normie. And it's called uh, yes. Short Hair, Big Ears. Such short hair, such big ears. That means the Hitler youth must be here. Grow long hair, tango nights. There's no Hitler youth in sight. Oh ho, oh ho. And one hears the words on every street. There's no Hitler youth I'd like to meet. Oh ho, oh ho. And they're fucking poets? Come yeah. on. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Um, and most of them were like 14 to 18. I'll get into that more. Uh, but that's the age where you kind of feel like invincible, right? Like that's the like, totally. I think like it's. Damn, I would have been all over that. Yeah. Um, They made their living as delivery drivers in various unskilled positions, petty crime, non-petty crime, 
sex work, especially at various gay bars throughout the city. Um, honestly, one of the reasons I love them so much is they just sound like my friends. That's just like a description of what my <laughs> friends do. Um, yeah. yeah. And especially when we were younger. Um, and then they would pool all their money and then use it to pay off all their criminal fines that they incur or to support their arrested friends. And they, they go to juvenile detention and jail and shit constantly. And they break out of juvenile detention constantly. Like the, stu- the study I read of uh, 50 wild fry who had been held in detention, almost all of them had broken out at least once. And six of them had broken out of detention centers more than 20 times individually. Holy shit. That um, is incredible. Wow. Yeah. The kids. Uh, the kids are the answer. I know. And the the more they face repression, the more they just resent mainstream society. This is even before the rise of the Nazis, a lot of this stuff. Mm. They just resent mainstream society and they retreat further and further into their fantasy worlds. Um, mm. In the city Colm, where the, the movement is strongest, they coordinated all their gangs, which they called guilds, into... Of course, they're called guilds. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they coordinate them into rings, which are coalitions of each guild of guilds by district. And then mm. each guild had a had a leader called a gang bull. And the uh-huh. bulls of each guild would together elect the ring bull. And to be a bull, you had to prove that you were strong, brave, good at crime and down to fuck. Down to fuck. <laughs> like Wait, that was what? <laughs> Good at crime and down to fuck. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All kinds of weird ways. Um, and at least one gang, the Eagles of the Mountains, everyone in it was a bull because they were like no leaders, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and each bull had a queen, which I think may have been of either sex, but I'm not entirely sure. All male gangs had a beloved who is expected to be sexually available to everyone in the gang. Um, since some gangs didn't let girls in, girls formed their own all-girl gangs. Mm. And then some boys wanted to join the all girl gangs. And so the girls <laughs> let them in. And I appreciate that because that would have been yeah. me. I would have been the boy being like, can I join the girl gang though? <laughs> yeah. I mean, girls are nicer than. Yeah. The, yeah. Um, than men. But I also was thinking like just guilds mm-hmm. and all these little factions and stuff. This is like IRL world of warcraft you know what i mean this is just like (laughs) Mm -hmm. like factions Mm -hmm. and battle and like whatever like wow yeah that's art is life and life is art i i suspect these kids weren't bored very often you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and okay so each new member when they would join was initiated through uh bizarre and ceremonial baptisms which were elaborate rituals of violence and sex uh they would start off with fist fights and knife fights and then turn into public sexuality like fucking everyone in the gang or masturbating in front of everyone or getting off during sex fast enough. Like literally someone's standing there with a stopwatch and you have to like wow. get off fast enough. Um, so it's like hazing, but like for badass things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. It's like way more like, like the hazing. Prove. <laughs> prove you're cool enough to be cool. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard for me to imagine the frat where the the haziness. Now you got to fuck all of us, um, <laughs> but you know whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. Also That's a mixed so gender funny. frat. Um, mm-hmm. And it, they would all descend into drunken orgies every time someone new was baptized. Of course. And there's actually there's I, I, I should have saved them in a file to make them easily available. But there's actually photos of some of these. Um, some of the like weird like and it's like people dressed like pirates with knives and all kinds of weird mm-hmm. shit and they would they lived in the forests and in squats in the cities they would like each each crew would have it each each guild would have its own <laughs> squat basically um attics or cellars or on un, unused storage rooms and they would put a single bed in the middle and they called it the the fucking sofa and that was like the only wow. sleeping space i mean i'm sure they slept on the floor but and they would just like this is unreal i would not if I wasn't on this podcast, I wouldn't think this was true. No, I know. You know and I mean? like, and so, so I'll, I'll say that my main source of this is, is uh, Daniel Guerin's account of talking to, of, of the more like crime sex stuff is talking to a sociologist, a social worker, sorry, at the time who did a study on these people. Wow. And that study is replicated in um, a book, The, the Brown Plague. Um, wow. But yeah, like, because a lot of the later stuff that we hear about Edelweiss Pirates just doesn't talk about their drunken orgies mm-hmm. at all. Um but stuff gets erased all the time, right? Like, yeah. as we've learned from this podcast and just life. So, yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay, so they would, like, like one account I was reading, they, like, they would steal and sell cars, and then they would, like, in their stolen car, they would, like, drive around. And, like, 
I don't remember exactly. It was like the guy who steals the car is like known as like car guy. That's like his name or whatever, you know? Um, yeah. And then they like go around and rip off payphones. I didn't even know they had payphones back then, but they would like Whoa. go and like rip off payphones and then try and get all the money out that they couldn't throw them in the river or whatever. Um, <laughs> and they would fence all their stolen goods through bartenders in exchange for alcohol. And this gets, and this leads a lot of them. A lot of them end up like in debt to these bartenders. And then like when they age out of the wild fry, they, they, just enter like a more mainstream life of crime for better or worse. Oh, I didn't even consider that they would age out actually. Now that you say that out loud. I know. It's like a, you, you can't yeah. stay a wild fry. If you're not a small fry, you have to be <laughs> by yourself committing crime all of a sudden. I don't know. It's yeah. Like, that's not fair. I know. I know. And it's like, cause one of the things that this reminds me so much of when I was like a teenage squatter, um, and, but I, I did most of that when I was like 19 and 20. And so I'm a little mm-hmm. bit like, oh, I would have been too old to be, you know. Yeah. And that's um, fucked up. That's not fair. Yeah. It's like very <laughs> Peter Panny Lost Boys about them. You know what I mean? Totally. It's, um, yeah. It is just Peter Pan's army. Stunted. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the Nazis come to power and they uh, refuse to disband. And in a lot of cities, they're powerful enough that they completely just challenge the hegemony of the Hitler youth. And in some cities, they outnumber the Hitler youth. Um, and one of the slogans that they had at the time was eternal war against the Hitler youth. And yes, yes. And so they did resistance in a lot of ways, right? Like um, just by existing they, and continuing to like hike and camp and wander, they're resisting Nazi era um, travel restrictions. But they they weren't content with only doing that. And so it wasn't long before they go from like street fights with the Nazi, the Hitler youth to distributing propaganda like when the allies would drop leaflets on the city, the the wild fry mm-hmm. would run around and like stick the leaflets through people's doors and shit. Um, mm-hmm. They helped people desert from the Nazi army. They would rob Nazi warehouses and, uh, you know, eventually started like killing Nazis who needed a good killing. Um, mm-hmm. And actually what you're talking about, like aging out, I think that I think that the war like fucks up the best I can tell the war like fucks up their, you know, sort of like their specific organizational structure and it becomes a lot Mm. looser. And so some of the people that, you know, who get hanged and stuff for this activity are like formal Edelweiss pirates and and shit like that. Uh, Right. Um, And so they're still hanging out with like 16 year olds doing all these crimes together. mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of them get caught and get sent to concentration camps Uh, on November 10th, 1944, 13 of them or 13 people, six of them who are teenagers and some of them are formal otherwise pirates uh, get executed without trial in Köln, I believe, for, for theft, murder and planning to blow up a Gestapo headquarters. This is the oh. like most known thing that they that they were doing. Mm-hmm. Forgive me I, mm-hmm. if you mentioned this, but yeah. like demographically, what are most of them? Are they just like mixed like ethnicity wise? Oh, OK. They do. So they are uh, both Aryan and Jewish. Okay. Um, or at least they specifically refused to disallow Jews. I could not tell you what percent of the, mm-hmm. the movement was Jewish. Um, probably, I don't know. I know that historically that, yeah. they allowed in. Uh, and that was like a thing that distinguished them from a lot yeah. of it is that they were like, what, fuck all that. Yeah. Um, it was like kind of started, I would assume, by like Aryan people but that, that were good. Probably, but I, I, mm-hmm. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't yeah, tell you about yeah. Jewish participation okay. in the beginning. I was just trying to imagine them. For whatever yeah. reason, when I imagine someone badass and doing stuff, they're not white. So I have to rearrange. No, yeah, totally. <laughs> That's that is on like me. Reasonable. That's on me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, considering like the overwhelming majority of uh, Germans at this point are not like really doing their best. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so like. <laughs> I, I see that my uh, prejudice now suddenly. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I think that's. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And um and so so plenty of historians so they run into this problem where they're not seen as political, uh, which in a, a sense it's true, right? Because they were not friends with polite society, any polite society. They were criminals under the Weimar Republic. They were mm-hmm. criminals under the Nazis, and they continued to be criminals when the Allies liberated the country. the The wild fry in Soviet controlled areas were treated really harshly, and many of them were sentenced to twenty five years in prison. Um, and because they're working class criminals, they were never acknowledged their anti-fascist work until 2011 when and the families of the Edelweiss pirates who were killed never received like reparations from the German state unlike other Mm -hmm. partisans Um, and the the last known surviving Edelweiss pirate was a woman named uh, Gertrude Koch uh, coach I don't know who who died in 2016 at the age of 92 Uh 
It's a long life. Yeah. You know who else survives? The people who drink tap water and eat potatoes. <laughs> the sponsors of this show. Uh, you will live forever. And this is especially funny because now I've been learning about the more about potatoes because I listen to Buying the Bastards, which I feel terrible to admit on this show. Um, God, how could you? I know. And I'm learning. Cool people only. What a hack podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who produces that show. Some yeah. loser. No! Probably. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, here's some ads for tap water potatoes and whatever else gets mixed in there. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You're listening to this podcast, so I know you care about history and what a period we're living through right now. Specifically, when it comes to the situation in Israel and Gaza. Right now, you're hearing a lot of loud voices screaming about genocide, massacre, and occupation. But these words, slogans, and various headlines are not enough to help you understand what is happening over there. And that's where this podcast comes in. Check out Unpacking Israeli History. Catch up on previous seasons and enjoy new episodes from Season 6 each week, where they cover many of the topics that are relevant to what's going on in Israel today. From the history of infamous terror groups like Hamas and Hezbollah, to the story of Nakba, to Israel's disengagement from Gaza in 2005, there's so much to uncover. Unpacking Israeli history cuts through the noise and helps you understand Israel's present through understanding Israel's history. So educate yourself. Learn the history behind the headlines. Find Unpacking Israeli history wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. And we are back, and we are talking about pirates. Yes. When you first started mm-hmm. with the pirates, I, I don't, mm-hmm. I've never heard of the Edelweiss pirates, but I was curious what definition of pirate you were going to use, like mm-hmm. the actual, like people that were pirates on, the, you know what I mean? Cause the like, high seas, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or uh-huh. like just, but it's just really funny that they're just like dressed like pirates, and like <laughs> yeah. they do piratey things. Yeah, but it's not like they're. I don't know. It's just kind of funny to. See it all come together. Totally. My imagination, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, they yeah. they lived really similar lives to, like, Golden yeah. Age pirates, but they, like, were doing it yeah. in costume, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Which fucking rules, honestly. Like, it's, 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 yeah, it's like, especially at the time, it's like, if the world is going to shit, just, you live once, you know? Like, that's the... Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, I, I like the uninhibited nature of their life. Yeah. yeah. I, I do too. Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then one of the things I like about them is like, it doesn't seem like it was like a a gay culture as in like some of them are gay and some of them are heterosexual and some of them are bi. It was just fucking weird. 
Like, I don't think any of them knew their sexuality. Some of them probably cared and some of them probably didn't. And like, uh, they definitely weirdos unite. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. No, I'm into it. It's like weirdos all unite. Right. So it's like when you're in high school, the outcasts are all together, whether they're like people of color or gay or whatever. Like that's what happened to my experience anyway. Or like when you're. Yeah. If you're. What's the word? Um marginalized you marginalized mm-hmm. exactly if you're marginalized uh and you're fucking weird you will unite because you want a weird community and weird honestly i think is a great thing you yeah. should be weird being a normie boring you know yeah. so totally. stay weird hell yeah. yeah totally and then okay so the so these aren't the only queers fighting the nazis within germany um far from it i'm going to tell you about some more some more of them there was a, a gad beck who was a, a gay part Jewish Berliner who in 1942, he borrows a Hitler youth uniform and he marches into the pre-deportation camp where his lover uh, Manfred is being detained. So he shows up in his uniform and he goes to the commanding officer and he's like, oh, uh, I, need, I, I need to borrow this guy for a minute on a construction project. And so the request is granted and, the, you know, and he, he starts out the camp with, with his lover Manfred, but then Manfred wow. stops and he says, I can't leave my family, basically. And he he goes back into the back into the camp. He he dies. Him and his family die. Well, um, but he basically tragic. said, you know, if yeah. I will never be free if I'm not free with my family. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- so then Gadbeck spends the next three years helping Jews escape before uh, he gets betrayed by a fucking a, a Jewish spy for the Gestapo. <sighs> um, and he gets arrested, but he he survives <sighs> the war. Uh, okay. So this is gonna be another one of those like who who lives who dies. Uh, okay, yeah, 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 like tense the moments. Little, yeah, yeah, little list of of mm-hmm. me just listening intently until the very end. It's like, oh, okay, yeah. Well, not off to the next one. Maybe the next one will be better. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, you know, this you know, so this guy survives the war and he spends his his lover doesn't, but he does. Yeah. Well, it's nice that like even after his lover doesn't go with him, he's actually a true like you know what I mean. He keeps doing. Fighting the good fight. Totally. You know he doesn't I mean? just fuck off, which would yeah, be exactly. perfectly fair. I am not judging yeah. anyone who fucks off out of a place that's trying to murder them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and he, he lives to be 88, and he spends the last 35 years of his life with his partner. Um, oh. So I like when that's gays get to be happy. That's a good ending. Yeah. Thank you. Now uh, on to others. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then there's uh, Count Albrecht von Bernstoff, who's a gay aristocrat. And he's this, uh, he's a short, balding man. He's always impeccably dressed and... He wastes most of the war years sitting around cafes, hitting on waiters, or that's what he wants people to think. Right. I mean, he he does. He is these things. He's a short, balding, well-dressed man who hits on a lot of waiters, but he's actually he's he's playing up the like foppish aristocrat gay man stereotype um, to draw attention from his actual work, which is he's running an underground railroad, helping uh, Jews and other dissidents get themselves out of Germany. Um, that's genius. I know. And like. That does take like front and center, you know, like put the gay out front and then let me do my secret. Good job. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, this will keep him distracted. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm just a creepy, harmless old gay guy, mm-hmm. you know, like. Uh, yeah. And and he's so aristocratic and I kind of love him for this. He's so aristocratic that he figures like, all right, I'm doing something that is obviously illegal being being gay, but I'm so rich that everyone puts up with it. Yeah, exactly. Power. I think yeah. it was the last episode. Maybe it was this one. Yeah. yeah, it was last. But like power, you can you can get away with more. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. And yeah, because and rich and money, power and money. Sorry, I'm, like I have a lot of inside thoughts that are just I think and I they say it out loud, even if it's like not even the right, right timing. But I think that's the point of a podcast. <sighs> Why am I a podcast? <laughs> because otherwise it would be no. me talking to myself and that wouldn't be half as interesting. That's fair. But no, money and power. So yeah, that's how you hack life. Unfortunately, I know, and it's like all across history. If you're yeah. poor and gay, you're fucked, and if you're rich and mm-hmm. gay, you're just eccentric. You know? Yes. Yeah. Um, Very true. Look at Oscar Wilde. Yeah, totally. Right? Although it only sort of works out for him different points. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, yeah. But still. Yeah. But that was a bad example. Whatever. No, 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 no. It is a it it is a good example because like he's able to exist in that way at all because of that kind of exactly. Stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know? He was accepted as what he was. Yeah. Versus, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, so the so the so Count Albrecht he he coordinates with gay resistance groups in the Netherlands, and to quote an anonymously written article that's coming from an upcoming issue of a magazine called Baden that the author let me read before. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, awesome. Count Albrecht had warned his contacts in Holland about the Nazi invasion before it began so they could prepare themselves. In one instance, members of a gay society took measures ahead of the German invasion in preparation for the catastrophe. The editor of their paper, Levenstrecht, burned the organization's mailing list. Another comrade, Arndt van Sonthorst, committed the entire list to memory so that they could find one another afterwards. And I really like that because I like... Yeah. Because when I first started doing this, like everyone's like keeping these records and it keeps getting them all in fucking trouble, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm like, well, what, are you, what are you fucking doing? Burn your fucking records, right? Yeah. But then the guy who memorizes it all makes reminds me that I'm like, well, it was so hard for them to find each other in the first place that like losing that is losing something really important, yeah. you know? Yeah, memorizing is, I mean, that's what, that's a great solution if you're able to do that, you know? Totally. Also, Muhammad, uh, the prophet of mm-hmm. Islam, he memorized the Quran. He didn't know how to read and write. So it works. Well, that fucking you know? rules. Yeah. Look, at, look at him now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> He's yeah. done well. <laughs> yeah. I've heard of him, you know? <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. um, <laughs> Praise be. Yeah. So eventually, Count Albrecht gets, gets found out. And he gets arrested and he gets sent to a series of concentration camps and he gets uh, really horrendously tortured. Um, but his, his fellow inmates, they remember him based on he, how he kept everyone's spirits up. Like he would, he'd be sitting around in the concentration camp and he'd be like, we're all going to have a most fabulous party at my house when this is all done. You are all invited. Everyone's coming over. Like, I'm, you know, break out all the finest stuff. Best party mm-hmm. ever. And... Um, and he, he didn't survive the, the camps. He, he died in the camps. Um, but I don't know. It, hundreds of people, at least uh, Jews and gays and gay Jews in at least two different countries survived the war because of his efforts and him disguising himself, himself as a fop, you know, and playing into yeah. the like being like, oh, yes, homosexuals are cowards. We would never do anything bad, you know? Yeah. Use the stereotype to your benefit, just the, like, in a, you know what I mean? It's or like not benefit, yeah. but like your advantage. Yeah. Uh, yeah, wow, what a guy. I know, I like him. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, and one of the things that is kind of dark that I ran across in a lot of this research, a lot of the gay men who survived the concentration camps uh, get immediately rearrested <laughs> because no. they're gay. Right. Because you're not allowed um, to be gay, whether it's Nazi Germany or Soviet Union, well, East Germany at least, the Soviet Union had yeah. more complicated. Oh yeah, right, I think Hitler had re... I know that like Lenin made homosexuality legal and then Stalin was like, JK, fuck all right, of you. Right, right. Um, but um, anyway, one guy, for example, that I was reading about, I don't have his name in front of me. Um, he wasn't as much of a resistance fighter, although just existing as resistance. I'm not trying to like knock mm-hmm. him. Um, he retold his experience where he was taken back literally in front of the same judge that had sentenced him to a concentration camp previously because they didn't actually get rid of the fucking Nazis. They just like yeah. cut off the head of it. They right? rearranged things. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he gets sent back to the same judge who's like you again and then sentences him right back to fucking wow. prison. Um, Ugh, that makes me so mad. Yeah. People in power stay in power. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I want to end with with one last short story about a, a queer poet named uh, Robert Desnos. And he was... I love a queer poet. Yeah. He was heavily involved in the French surrealist scene. Um, mm-hmm. And he, he joins the resistance to Germany once, you know, France is under occupation. And like our Dutch heroes from last episode, or last Monday, whatever, I don't know how to say, is this a new episode? Is this just a different half of the same episode? I don't understand the taxonomy of my own job. <laughs> it's a two-parter. Okay. Two-parter. And the last part of this two-part episode. Yes. Um, Perfect. That was thanks. smooth. Thanks. I'm good at my job. Um, <laughs> so uh, he, he works as a counterfeiter and he makes fake IDs. And he also does a ton of other stuff. He actually works for a collaborationist newspaper as a spy and he passes along all the information he learns by working for a, a shitty pro-German newspaper. He passes mm-hmm. it along to, to the resistance. He also wrote for underground papers under a ton of different names. And in 1944, he gets caught and he gets sent to a series of concentration camps. But at heart, right, this guy's a surrealist. So one day, according to Holocaust, a Holocaust survivor named Odette, and it's relayed, this story is relayed through a writer named Susan Griffin. So Robert's waiting in line for the fucking gas chamber and, and he just jumps up and runs up to a man who's ahead of him in line and he's just gets really excited and he starts reading the man's palm and he's like, look here, look at your lifeline. You're going to live a long life and you're going to have three children and his absurdism, right? Because they all know what's fucking happening, I think. And yeah. it's, his absurdism is so contagious that everyone's just, just like breaking out laughing 
and it confuses the guards so completely that the guards sent them back to their barracks. Wow. Because they don't know how to handle these people who are supposed to just be like totally given up, who are like right. riotlessly, riotously, who are laughing very hard, um, uncontrollably. <laughs> and Wow, that's so fascinating. And he he doesn't die in a gas chamber. Um Wow. He, you used use the phrase unexecuted in your script. And I love that. <laughs> yeah. Everyone gets sent back to the barracks unexecuted is the way I wrote it. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and he he technically survives the war, but he, he caught typhoid, I believe, in the concentration camp and he dies well, within a month of shit. liberation. Damn it. Um but again That doesn't seem right. I know. I know. Or no. fair. What no, is nothing this is life? Fair. <laughs> nothing is ever but fair. I, okay, but th- the reason I want to end on that note is because I think people look at some of this history wrong, at least like queer history, um, because they're, they're like, oh, did they succeed? Like a lot of the stuff I would read mm. being like, oh, they didn't succeed because they died or they didn't succeed because they only blew up 800,000 records instead of uh, 3 million records or whatever, right? Um, but I, it to, to me, it, it feels like they succeeded, right? They yeah, they they chose resistance, and a lot of them, most of them, didn't survive the war. But they saved fucking thousands of people, and I don't know. And they died fighting. You know what I yeah. mean? Like if if they did die in a in a way that they shouldn't have, like it's just a testament to like I don't know, caring more about the world and yourself, and like I don't know, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where sentences <laughs> end when I start them. Um, but I think it's pretty badass. Yeah, I think that they like they they basically. They proved a fucking lot, and they certainly proved, mm-hmm. like uh, our, our man Willem said at the beginning, that homosexual is not a fucking synonym for weak, which is what people used to mm-hmm. treat it as. Um, and and no one can fucking say that they were cowards, you know? No one, yeah. Definitely not. That's the last thing yeah. it would be. I was thinking, though, mm-hmm. not to like, yes and, but... Mm-hmm. Uh, no, yes and it. Uh, <laughs> like, the the vast majority of these people that we learned about are are men mm-hmm. correct yeah so it is interesting just to think like how many more people there were that maybe didn't get like attention or history written about them or that were who were i mean there's a there's a spattering of women here right. and there for sure but it does make me wonder if again it goes back to power as a man you have more power yeah right and maybe that's why you're able to accomplish more especially being back then and now what am i saying but it's interesting to think about uh, who gets written about even yeah. in like alt history? Totally, because as like I, I'm a filmmaker. I want to say in quotes, but come on, I should like me whatever. Uh, I'm yeah. imposter syndrome 101. Mm-hmm. But Sharina I was reading is a about, filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, imposter syndrome is real and it fucking yes, sucks. It is. But uh, I was reading about like writing uh, like scripts and movies and stuff mm-hmm. and how we're so used to just pretending that Western story structure is like the default way to tell stories. And we forget that like so many cultures have different ways of telling stories. And like, yeah, it's like Bollywood films are structured so differently than ours. And we just, we assume ours is the right default way. And I think that's the same with just everything. It's, it's all, you did mention like, this is the, the Westernized uh, version of it, but it just makes me wonder what else is out there because I know there are more amazing people out there. Maybe maybe we don't have to know about them. Just to know they existed is enough. Yeah. I don't know if that made any sense. No, no. I think that that actually gets at something really important. Um, one of the things that I kept running across with this is like, I, I think, I'm, I'm, I feel certain that there were as many, you know, lesbians fighting against the Nazis, right, as there were gay men. And most of the people with names that I'm coming up with are, are gay men. And I think mm-hmm. partly that's because they get written about for being gay in a way that a mm-hmm. lot of the women aren't being written about. Um, and then, like, it's actually telling that the Edelweiss pirates, who were uh, a mixture of boys and girls, right? Um, they, that's not a, a story full of names. Mm. You know, there are some names we have for that, but mostly you have these like anonymous masses of like mixed group of queer kids who are like, all right, let's fuck up these Nazis. And they don't get fucking remembered except kind of collectively. And, you know, I don't know whether that's, better or worse or different or whatever but it does it you're right it it leads to this like you know the which stories get told absolutely exactly yeah no yeah i think about that stuff all the time yeah so because i mean i don't know even like 
the, yeah, the history stories or whatever, like what what we've even gotten as a civilization is about like what we've learned in, from our past centuries of existence. Like even that is curated. You know what totally. I mean? It's like it just we just live in a matrix and <laughs> nothing's real. But um but no, I I'm really happy to have learned all of this stuff from you today and uh on Monday, two days ago. Uh-huh. Um because we're not recording at the same time. <laughs> uh-huh. But uh but no, I it, I hope it makes other people think about this kind of stuff, too, because it doesn't have to be like this default way of thinking of like, oh, this is just the way things are because this is the way they yeah. are. This is the way they are because this is how they always have been because certain people make it this way. Yeah. If that makes sense. So it's, I don't know, just using your brain to philosophize, I think, is sometimes a good thing. <laughs> and it's like, do some shrooms or something. <laughs> Every other podcast I'm on, I'm like, do some shrooms. Uh-huh. But if you're able to, it's... I think it's a cure for things <laughs> or just like seeing the world in a different way. Can I shut up for one moment? <laughs> <laughs> I love you. God, God, oh God, God so Okay, I'm shutting up now. Uh, yeah, when I, when I saw Shrooms, I saw the void and it was really bad and dark <laughs> for months. <laughs> but, okay, I stay corrected. No, no, but, but, but my experience is not the the... I'm certainly not anti-people messing around with this kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> I gave it multiple yeah. shots. I should have made a blanket statement. You're right. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, there's... but people should, I don't know. There's all kinds of blanket expand statements your we mind. make that are dangerous, yeah. you know? All I meant to say was, like, expand your mind. Yeah. And, like, I like that I'm leaving this recording being like, you know what? Maybe we're not so bad. Hell yeah. You know? <laughs> cool. <laughs> Would you say that there's cool people who did cool stuff? You know, I would say that there is cool <laughs> yes. people that did cool stuff. Yes, but now that you mentioned it. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you for having me and letting me ramble to no end. Uh, this was really fun. Oh, thanks so much for being on. Come back again, please. Yeah, please. I do. would love to come back and learn more good things. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> about good people cool cool things about cool what am i doing i'm messing it all up cool things about cool people who happen to be good doing good i'm doing it again i'm gonna stop talking this is the end of my sentence now <laughs> uh shireen before we send you off is there anything you would like to plug uh yeah i'm shireen you can follow me on the internet if you want uh twitter is shirohero666 and instagram is just shirohero um I make films, I write poetry, I have a couple poetry books out that I self-published. What's the newest one called? Um, Archives. Cool. Yeah, it's uh, basically just emo diaries I've decided to publish. It's very personal. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, that's just my, I'm honest to a fault. And uh, if you want to follow along, great. If you don't like me rambling, good, because I'm going to stop now. (laughs) Margaret, plugs, anything? Uh, You can also follow me on Twitter at Magpie Killjoy, where I try to be clever because Twitter is just this awful competition. It's like an arena of people <laughs> trying to um, mm-hmm. uh, acquire enough clout to not starve by being clever and having all the right takes. And I always were you have around? the right takes. Oh, always. But were you were you were you on Twitter when it was just like a place to like say your thoughts out loud? Because I looked at my old tweets and it's the dumbest shit. It's like Facebook statuses or like whatever, where it's just like, I'm hungry or like yeah, something yeah, or like totally. I'm gonna fail my test. And now it's just instead of being like a random thought catalog, it's definitely this one upping thing. The arena of death, yeah. Um yeah. Speaking speaking of death, can I can I uh, uh, plug Jamie Loftus's Ghost Church that's on Cool Zone Media as well? Ooh, that uh, will be will be out by the time this this episode drops. So check that out, Ghost Church yeah. by Jamie Loftus, Queen, future guest of this podcast, Jamie Loftus, yes. future guest, future guest of this podcast, Jamie Loftus. I, I also it. produce that one, so check it out. Sophie produces yeah. all podcasts. I think you've already yeah, heard me does. say yeah. that. Yeah, legally, yeah. all podcasts mm-hmm. are mine. Yeah, <laughs> except <laughs> except for once again the Joe Rogan podcast, which is actually a YouTube show. Yes, legally mm-hmm. distinct. Yes, yes. Thank you, uh, and yeah. we'll we'll be back uh, Monday, right, right, Margaret? Yay! Next Monday, forever until the heat death of the universe. <laughs> cool, cool. Bye. 
People Who Did Cool Stuff is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive non-stop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.